Danny J. And I'm Jill Coleman. Welcome to the Best Life Podcast. Here, we talk about everything from success, money, relationships, and entrepreneurship to productivity, honest communication, positive psychology, and how to cultivate an abundance mindset. Make money, travel the world, deepen your relationships, live full out. This is the best life. All right. What is up, y'all? Welcome to another episode of the Best Life Podcast. And I'm excited because we are here with a now four-time <laughs> guest, but y'all love him. So, and we love him. So we keep bringing him back. I'm actually here in uh, North Carolina for a long weekend. Our dad is turning 70. Shout out J. Cole. Yep. One time. We have uh, met, we've mentioned him several times on the podcast and I think he's a consistent listener. I know he skips some episodes <laughs> <laughs> of the best life, but um, we are here and I wanted to get Dan on because we've had him on several times to talk about coaching, talk about what he does at his company, Metabolic Living. He is the head of coaching at Metabolic living and what he does is he kind of coaches coaches. Um, and so it is 2021. It is still early February. So you might be listening to this and still have some new year's resolutions or some things that you really want to focus on this year. I know I have things that I want to focus on. Um, and if I had to say, Dan is definitely what I would consider to be a habit change expert, someone who helps literally helps coaches help their clients make long lasting changes. So I wanted to get them on to talk about habit change. If you are listening to this, maybe you are not in the health and fitness space. That's totally cool. If you're just regular, regular person who wants to make a change this year, I think oftentimes we have goals or we have vision boards or we have certain things that we want to um, make changes for. And sometimes it's hard to make changes. Sometimes you look up and it's been 10 years and you're like, I haven't made that. I haven't stopped drinking or I haven't, <laughs> you know, I haven't like been, I haven't found that person yet, or I haven't been able to get to bed before midnight every night or whatever it is that you want to change. Either a bad habit you want to give up or maybe a new habit that you want to change. So who better to come in and talk about this because you literally are helping coaches help their clients with this stuff. What's up? Yeah. What up? Best life fam. <laughs> good to be back for the four Pete. Yeah. Uh, Jay Cole just walked in the room. Shout out. Looking good. We did there. give him the invite to the, to the yeah, best life podcast, yeah. but he, he declined. Yeah. He's still, we'll get a couple, maybe we'll get a couple drinks in him later and he might yeah, see what happens. Drop some words of wisdom, but no, it's good to be here, man. <laughs> and I, uh, I, I love, I love being here. And I, I, told Jill as we got on I was like you know let's make this a back and forth conversation like we always have she's yep. she's sweet she's goes Danny's a habit change expert and and I'm sir I'm certainly obsessed with uh the psychology of change and how people change uh, most and productivity like I would say like I'm sorry to cut you off but like honestly like anytime I'm talking productivity habit change soft skills those kind of things I always come to you with that I'll, literally I'll be like I'll hit you up with like a voice text and be like hey is there a study <laughs> that shows what book is wasn't there a like anything that's soft skills psychology type stuff I'm always Dude, coming I to love you. it I know I love it and I got I got studies for days we'll definitely <laughs> I'll definitely I'll actually tell uh dude let me just go yes. off let me go yeah, off yeah, course yeah. real yeah. quick because I just read this study that this this is just encouraging it's just good it's a good news study so Nothing to do with habit change. <laughs> nope, but we no. like the good studies. Yep, good studies. It is <laughs> psychology-based, though. So uh, this study, um, first of all, let me set the stage. So if you ask most human beings what their their self-assessment in any category, uh, they're going to put themselves 
above average at least, but probably top quartile, top 25%. Are you a better than average driver? Yeah, probably top 10%. Top 10%. Um, intelligence. Yep. Top 10%. We all think we're smarter and better than we are. Um, but most of uh, that can't possibly be right, true. Like someone's got to be in the bottom half <laughs> on these categories, but here's something that's interesting. So I just came across this study and it made me feel good. And maybe some people, uh, will dig this out there. And so they had people, 3000 people interact over the course of time, just in a one-on-one setting, like you and I are right now. And after the researchers took them and said, okay, Danny, how much do you think scale of one to 10? How much do you think Jill liked you? And I'd probably say, ah, Jill probably liked me at like a six, maybe a five. I thought it went pretty well. It was yeah, five or six. And then they said, Jill, how much did you like Danny? She's like, I liked him a nine out of 10. So interestingly enough, the one area, shout out Pip in the background, <laughs> the one area where we actually don't think we're better than average is how much people like us. Interesting. That takes it off an cre- incredible amount of stress. I know a lot of people in social situations kind of feel a little anxiety or a little uncertainty, or it can be uncomfortable, but just rest assured they like you more than you thought they did. God, that's so good. I mean, like, is it kind of sad though? Like, in, like the first thing is like, it's kind of sad because it makes it's us feel sad. like we all just like never feel good enough at I all know. ever. But sad. I do think that that is the human condition. I think oftentimes we are constantly worried that we're not either doing enough for other people. It's funny. We just did another episode for the, for the best life a few weeks ago about like never wanting to feel like a burden in relationships, wanting to be able to like give more than we take. We actually talked about the book give and take by Adam Grant. Oh, nice. And it's like, it's funny, but to your point, it's nice to know that, you know, it's one of those things where you think that everyone's looking at you, but chances are they're like looking at thinking what you think of them. And so it kind of takes the spotlight off of you. Isn't that like the spotlight? effect? The, the spotlight effect is the idea or the, it's the theory that uh, we think people are looking at us more than they are so that they're paying more attention to us. So if you stumble and fall, we think everybody not only saw it, but they're laying in bed that night thinking about, can't believe that asshole fell today. And they're just <laughs> not because they're busy doing the same thing about themselves. I also think that's reassuring because we do. We like we I think oftentimes we don't do stuff in our life because, yes, the fear of failure. But why are you scared to fail? Because of the judgment from other people. Mm. Otherwise, why would you really care if you got fired from a job? It's the social got it pressure that we all kind of feel embarrassed about or ashamed of. But in reality, both people love you more than you think and are paying attention to you less, less than, you, than think. you think. It's like, the, it's perfect world. <laughs> That's hilarious. That still reminds me of this story. So like we went to um, Zion, like in Utah, like, I don't know, maybe six months ago or so we went camping Beautiful. and then we went, it was gorgeous, but we went and we hiked this thing, which it's called the Narrows. It would actually be really cool. You probably love it, but it's, it's this, um, I think Danny Jay's done it. It is this trail called the Narrows and basically it's all water. So it's weird because it's like, it's very rocky underneath, but like pretty much, I would say 75% of the time you're up to your knees or higher in water. That's a no for me. See, so you say that, but it's, it's, it's gorgeous. Have you ever seen pictures from Zion where they're like all the marble sort of like, you know, uh-huh. uh, like the Canyon type stuff. It's gorgeous. So we did angels landing. So we did like, okay. Wand. So it's similar. You're like you're shimmying on a chain on the side of a cliff. It's terrifying. Wow. Beautiful. But terrifying. <laughs> so same thing. You have to suffer a little bit for the beauty. Yeah. Um, but it was funny because I was with Keith and he was like, I think he, he is like a sports guy. So he was like, we need to, we need to beat all these people. So he was going, he was just walking super fast. And so if you're <laughs> underneath the water and you're up to your knees and there's rocks under there, the rocks are not, they're slippery, right? Like they're slippery. So we were like bombing through and like, like yeah, we're fit, whatever, like whatever. <laughs> so stupid. But I remember, so we, 
so there were a couple of people in front of us going super fucking slow. And then like, we were just like, oh, like these people are going too slow. So we walked around them and then dude, right in front, we get into this water area and I fucking just bit it and just went down in front of a huge group of people. I was like, this group of people's walking so slow. God, they need to get more, whatever it was. Right. And then I literally just go under the water, <laughs> take a, just wipe out, go full like immersion in the water. And I pop out. I'm so embarrassed. And everyone starts cheering. Everyone starts <laughs> laughing. Like that entire group of people starts laughing. And I was like, well. You just have to own it. Yeah, I did. I, was, I just put it. my arms up and I was like, yep, Embrace that was it. me. Right. Yep. And then I was like, quickly, like, where's my phone? Yeah. And that's really wet and like, whatever. But yeah, yeah, it was hilarious. So yeah. And then 15 minutes later, those people were like, what are we going to have for lunch today? Yeah. No one gives a shit. No. And I realized I was like, I can like be super embarrassed and like slink off or I can just fucking own it. Yeah, it's it, that brief moment. You have to choose. To you have to it. choose. You do. I have never not succeeded when I've just owned it. Because yep. people are you like, fall. oh. Wait, you pretend that didn't happen? Yeah. No, you no, just I don't, tripped. Yeah, it's hilarious. Know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. You know, I like that study and that's cool. So, anyway, long story short, to me, you are the most credible person in my life to go for this stuff. So I like to go to for this stuff. It's like, you're like the cliff notes for me. I'm like, always like, you know, I think there's a study or there's something, <laughs> you know what, let me ask Dan. And you are, your brain works in frameworks and things like that too, which is really cool. So when it comes to the soft skills of habit change, like we, you know, we've talked in the past about, it's not like, if you want to eat better, or you want to exercise more. It's not that you don't know what to do. I think some coaches think like, well, it's just like, you know, just got to eat less, exercise more. It's like, really? Yeah. Thanks. Very rarely is it a knowledge gap. Right. I don't know what to do. No, it's that's a, it's not, a implementation issue. It's Correct. funny. We were actually, I was walking with dad this morning and we were talking about that and he wants to make some changes. He's, a, he's moving next month and he wants to make some changes to his lifestyle. And I said, Hey man, it's simple, but it's not easy, mm -hmm. right? Like we know what to do. Yep. So if you're listening to this and you're like, yes, I keep wanting to do this thing. I keep wanting to make this change, but I still can't. What would you tell people? Where would you start them? Well, first and foremost, I think it's essential that we all just pick one thing at a time. I think change is hard enough. And we tip, I think if we're honest with ourselves, there's probably like, I don't know, five to a hundred things that we want to change out there. Yes. Uh, I know me personally, I have I just have my big three. I have uh, my health, I have my wealth, and I have my relationships. And within each of those categories, there's probably five to 10 things that I would really like to change, either bad habits that I have or good habits that I would like to adopt. So I think first and foremost, what's the one thing that we're going to do? Uh, in the book, the one thing, shout out is, uh, I forget the author's name. Gary. So, Gary. It is Gary. Yeah. Shout out to Gary if you're listening. Um, <laughs> but yeah, one, yeah. But seriously, one thing I, I think is so important because we just don't have enough energy. Uh, to, to focus on all this because change is so hard. I think we just need to focus on one thing. And the reality is you could change one thing in three to six months and then change another thing in three to six months. And it's, uh, we talk about this all the time. That's not sexy no. <laughs> at all, but think about that over the course of five years. Mm. And if you change big things, two big things a year, that's I huge. mean, that's huge on the overall direction of your life. So I really would say, Let's just focus on one thing. All right. You got you one thing now. What's the one that's thing? hard. Like, how do you manage someone's expectations? Cause they're going, okay, Dan, like I wanted to change this yesterday. Yeah. Right. And also I will validate for someone who's like really has a big weight loss goal. They feel uncomfortable. There's a desperation to it. Right. Or totally. if someone is, you know, if there's like actual, like real consequences to not changing this habit, there's a lot of desperation and sort of urgency with it. So how do you take someone who's like, I needed to change this yesterday. I'm so uncomfortable. I just need this to be over. 
I will do anything to not feel this way. And then you tell them just wait six months, right? Like how do you start managing their expectations from even just like a mental, mental, emotional standpoint? Yeah. It's so hard. And I'd be interested in your take on this. So for me, it's that it's, it's to get rid of that urgency. It's to treat them as if there was a, there's a Jay-Z quote that I love. It's, and and I'm going to butcher it, but he's basically like, take the person uh, where they are and how they are and what they are. That, see, I shouldn't even shout it out the quote. I'll, I'll have to put the quote in the show notes. That was a terrible quote example. But basically, he's like, let's just let's just accept the accept the person for the way they are right now. Like, dude, you're good. Like, calm down. Like, look at all the look at all the amazing things you're doing in your life. We always talk about this. Like, okay, if someone has this, let's take weight loss. Like, just so much weight to lose, and it's it is urgent. It is important. But they're a great mother. They're crushing it at work. And yeah, what do you call this? It's like um. Is it like value, like, like diversity or like, I remember you had like a, like other ways where they're, where else they're doing well, that they are. Yeah. We call them success threads. Yes. Okay. So success threads are like, there's, you're not just, everybody's not, nobody is just bad at everything. everything. Right. So there's some area in their life because it's, it's an energy thing, which is why I say pick one thing, your energy is limited, but where people put their energy and attention and you can see the way they spend their time is what they truly care about. That's Mm -hmm. where their, that's where their values lie. And chances are they're really good in that area. Someone who is, who is really, uh, who really cares about their job probably does pretty well financially and gets promotions and, uh, somebody who just loves spending time with their children is probably like the the envy of the block, and they have no idea that all the other parents are like, wow, I just wish I could, I wish mm. I could parent like Sally, or I wish I could be a father like Tom. Like that's that's some pretty cool stuff. So I think first of all is just like Jesus, give give people a break. Like yes, you have this big losing weight, that's a big thing, a financial debt, that's extremely stressful. I mm-hmm. get that. Yep. But I think we all need to calm down. Like and. That would be my, that would be my take. I don't know. What's your take? Cause yeah. you're right. Like it's not sexy. And it's, it's, I've actually moved away from that language because of conversations I had with you. It's just like, all right, we need to stretch this thing out 18 months. And they're like, go to hell. I'll yeah. You, you know, it's funny. Cause I had this experience several years ago. Um, I work with a lot of people, at least in like the health and fitness space who have a long history of dieting and dieting unsuccessfully. So a lot of yo-yo dieting, a lot of like Weight Watchers work for a time. I lost 30 pounds and then I put it all back on and now I'm up 20 pounds. Like I have a lot of people who come to me who've been seriously dying for decades. So I was launching a program years ago called total training experience. And it was a year long program and it was a self-paced course, which is kind of a toughie when it's a year long, like there's no coaching or anything, but I wanted to create like a lower, more affordable sort of accessible option for someone who doesn't have the the cash for a one-on-one coach. And so this program was a year long. And I remember thinking to myself, even from like a marketing perspective, like this is a challenge. I'm going to be asking people for $300 to do a program for a year you know, it's not sexy. It's not like this quick fix. It's not this like 21 day jump start. It's nothing like that. How can I position this? And I used like a juxtaposition sort of marketing where I was like, and when I say marketing, I mean like literally how do we get people to do this thing, right? Marketing to me is just making compelling argument for something. So when we say, if you can change one habit every six months, like we have to sell that concept. So marketing is the same way. So I literally said, you've spent decades and thousands of dollars, if not tens of thousands of dollars, trying shit that didn't work, give me a year. And the hashtag was, give me a year. It <laughs> was literally awesome. like, give me a fucking year. Can you imagine this is work you never have to do again? Like, just give me a year. You know, you've already spent all this time doing shit that doesn't work. 
what if you just did something different instead of these like fast fixes and jump starts and all these kind of things you're trying to do and said, just like settle down for a year. And it was a hugely successful launch because people resonate with that. They're like, yeah, fuck. I've tried all these fast fixes. And here I am 10 years later out tens of thousands of dollars. And my metabolism is not is not responsive anymore, you know? So it's like, cool, give me a year to really like rehab all that. And so it, from a marketing perspective, that was how I kind of sold it was as the long term is sexy. Feel like the in crowd. Yes. I made the year feel sexy. I made the six month feel sexy. And I think, you know, we have to sell it. If we really believe in yes. it, we have to do our due diligence to sell it. Yeah. And what you do a great job too is contrasting just yes. what you said. You contrasted like, and that's what we do with our clients in middle living too. We go, okay. Yeah. I mean, we, no problem. We can put you on chicken breast and broccoli for the next 12 weeks. I promise you, you're going to lose weight. We're going to put you on chicken breast and broccoli. We're going to put you on this exercise Guaranteed program for 12, weeks. for 12 weeks. But what happens on week 13? And we ask them this, we go, but what happens on week 13? Because I mean, I know you've tasted broccoli. I know you tasted <laughs> a raw, ch- or not raw chicken, breast. a dry ass chicken, <laughs> yeah, breast. a dry chicken breast. We know that, right? You're not. So what happens in week 13? And we we just sit with that and let them tell us. And all of a sudden, there's these light bulb moments of people going, "Yeah, I've been down this road before. I've seen this before." So we, it's it is contrast because you you do it's selling, man. You got to sell the the long term route, and you're absolutely right. You do because to me, too. I'm I'm looking at it like how I'm not even looking at it from a results perspective, and I do some business too. To me, the result will happen if the person stays engaged in the process. To me, I'm like not I'm not even a results coach. I'm a tenacity coach. Like literally at the end of the day, like my job is to keep someone engaged in the process because if they stay engaged in the process, whether it's three months, six months, a year they're going to get the results. So it is, it's a tough sell, especially because we are up against a lot of big companies selling short-term fixes and yep. trying, you know, infomercial yeah, type stuff and supplements. I mean, and, and people wearing fucking squeams and shit like that. What is a squeam? <laughs> I just want to say that word. <laughs> it's a corset. It's like a, it's like a corset for the stomach. Yeah. Don't say squeam. Or always say it. Yeah. <laughs> but it basically, like you guys know, you're listening to, you know what squeam is, is basically like this thing that just crushes your internal organs, like it makes your waist smaller. It's like the equivalent of like the Chinese when they had to bind their feet to keep their feet small. Wow. Years ago. Yeah. I mean, it's like the same kind of thing. So it's like a fitness, like a waist trainer or something. Yeah. And you said something key uh, before squeam. You said, uh, <laughs> you said we have to keep them engaged in the process. Yeah. And we're, we're t- obviously talking weight loss, but this is, this is anything. You have, right. to, you have to stay engaged somehow, some way, whatever your, your one thing. So what be. would that be? So what would be your next sort of tip? Yeah. Just one, one more thing sure. about like just the success threads, like when you make people feel good enough, mm. they're going to want to hang out with you. Like, don't you love hanging with people who give you compliments and yeah. are just positive energy and same, th- same thing with behavior change. Like, well, you're, you're an awesome mother. You're an, you're awesome at your job. Like we'll, we'll get through this weight loss thing, but if you make them feel empowered, they're going to stay with you and engage. And then, and all of a sudden 18 months have gone by and they've gotten results. That's right? cool. Love that. So that's one. So number two, you got your one thing and probably one thing within the one thing, right? So if it's, if, uh, and that's brings me to second point, which is tracking. So if your one thing will stay on the weight loss train, if your one thing is weight loss and you're like, all right, the, the biggest bang for my buck, I know for me is I need to take, I need to go on an hour long walk every single night. That's my one thing. And then track that mm-hmm. literally track with the only, only purpose is to raise awareness. It's so you hear, you've heard the quote, like 
you can't measure, you can't track, or you can't measure what you don't track, right? Mm -hmm. It's like not necessarily about measurement. Uh, From my perspective, it's about self-awareness. Got it. Uh, Oftentimes, it's funny, like, so as a health coach, I'll be on the phone with with a client and you'll you'll be coaching them and six weeks go by, seven weeks go by, eight weeks go by. And all of a sudden, just out of nowhere, they go, well, yeah, you know, my Friday night pizza. You're like, well, your Friday night pizza? Like, we've been working through all these things for eight weeks and that never, that's never come up. And that's just how the human brain works. We kind of just we sometimes rationalize away or we we over assume like you ask someone how much money did they save and they'll they'll over they'll over guess if they don't know uh they'll they'll underestimate the amount that they eat we all know all the health coaches on the line out there shout out no, <laughs> yeah. know that right like overestimate the, how many right, activities so, you get yep yeah so tracking simply brings uh, accuracy to the awareness and and raises our awareness and oftentimes what we find is when people are aware they start to make changes on their own. Talk yeah. About- it's funny because like when you talk about that, um, it's in the moderation 365 certification, which is like my nutrition certification. We actually talk about this in terms of, we call it total mental load that like, we all know that your mental energy is finite. And so most people try to remember every, like 20 different details when it comes to weight loss. Okay. I got to get 10,000 steps. I got to drink a gallon of water. I got to get to bed at eight at 10. I can't yep. eat after six. Like there's a laundry list of rules. And so what we do in moderation 365 is go, forget the 20 things or the 30 things We're three, three big dial movers, like the most important ones, because not all of these rules that you have, have the same impact on outcomes. Mm-hmm. They just don't like to me paying attention to the, how much sodium is in my peanut butter. Isn't nearly as impactful as how much protein I'm eating every day. Right. Yep. And yet we put them on the same pedestal in terms of like, you know, thinking about them, like from a mental perspective. So knowing that we can't not everything can be important because nothing is important, right? If not everything is important, what are a couple of really important things and what can, and then just track those. So we always have our clients in moderation, just go, cool. Did you do your three DNCs today? That's it. That's the only thing we care about. And I always say my, my phrase is as for the rest of your best, as for the rest of your best, right? Like I know my three DNCs and if I do them consistently, I'm going to stay pretty much on track, not perfect, but pretty much on track. So I can afford to have a couple glasses of wine or a handful of Sour Patch Kids or whatever here and there. I'm not worried about that. What I'm worried about is getting these three big dial movers in. So it's a way for us to narrow down and be more discerning about the things we care about. Yeah. And, and tracking actions, not necessarily results. So yes. not necessarily tracking your weight. So for me, like, and let's, let's take it outside the box. I, I, in my wealth category, I track my spending and that's the one thing I do. And when I am tracking it closer, I spend less. And when I go a couple of weeks, don't really pay attention. I find myself spending mm. more. That's my one big thing in my wealth, in my relationship uh, with my fiance, I track my, uh, so you heard the Lasada line? You know nope. what that is? So the Lasada line, the guy's name is Lasada. Can't remember his first name. Only get only one names on this podcast, <laughs> single name. Yeah. So Lasada is the is a researcher who came up with this idea. And what they what he found was it's basically the people who stay together the longest have this sweet spot of the amount of positive interactions to negative interaction a ratio. So and it's three to one is like the minimum, and seven to one is like the maximum positive to negative interaction. So, and those who fall closer to one-to-one, so you have one Mm. positive interaction for every one negative interaction, the divorce rate, they can predict it with like 95% accuracy. It's crazy. This one thing. So one thing I do track is geeky, but I try to track like the amount of positive interactions Kelsey and I have every day. So whether it's like, and these are not like doing favors or necessarily getting flowers, they can be, it's stuff like that, but really it's just like, 
her coming in after work and sharing something with me and me making sure I turn all my attention to her and away from my popcorn and basketball and just give her my full attention. That's a positive interaction. Mm -hmm. Telling her she's beautiful when I just notice her in the kitchen, positive interaction. And for every, everyone, every eye roll, every little snap that we have, I mean, it's just a partnership stuff, right? I try to have at least three pots. So I do track that in my relationship. So we can go outside of health and fitness. And when I'm tracking, uh, those things go up. An interesting study, one more. Yeah, My it. favorite study of all time, they had people track, this is health, they had people track the foods they ate for three months. Just the foods, not the amounts, just not the times, nothing. Literally just write down in this journal the food you ate uh, for three months. Then they tracked these people for six months after those people who tracked it versus the control group were losing weight and continued to lose weight. All they did was write down the food for two months and it had effects six months down the line when they said, okay, you're good on the, the whole writing thing. That's down so wild that not even amounts or not timing. even amounts. It all comes down to awareness, which is why I think the tracking is so important. If you really want to do behavior change, you have to increase your awareness somehow, some way. It doesn't necessarily have to be in a journal, but can you find some way to get your awareness up, whether it's someone in your life being like, hey, you're doing the shit again. Hey, you're doing the shit again. <laughs> yeah, I don't care how you do it, but something, there needs to be some sort of tracking backstop that people have if they really want to change something. And I wholeheartedly believe that. Is there any detriment to it? Can you be too aware? I mean, obviously this is, you know, part of what we do in moderation to 65 actually teach something called the awareness spectrum, Mm. where it's like, if you're too obsessed with food, then all of a sudden, like you go off the rails, right? Like it's way too much. And then like, that's like, like overly obsessive thinking. And then there's mindless, like completely mindless, mindless eating, all that stuff. And then right in the middle, that sweet spot is mindfulness, which is where you can like observe yourself, but you're not like hyper-focused and like not everything is a huge deal, but you have this kind of low level of automated thinking. What am I eating? What am I, am I full right now? Am I feeling Mm -hmm. hungry? Am I craving something? Is there, do you ever find that you can be, you can track too much or there's a detriment to, to tracking? You know what? It's actually leads me to my third step here for the three-step sure. process. One thing, then tracking. And then my third thing, and we can go back and forth on this, I wrote down was anti-perfectionist. Like, mm-hmm. okay, you're tracking. Mm-hmm. But I mean, every once in a while when I'm looking at my spending, I see that, oh my gosh, why did that makes no sense why I spent that much money on that thing? Mm-hmm. Or, or every mm-hmm. once in a while with, with Kels, I was like, that was actually a two, two negative to one positive interaction day. That's not cool. But you got to give yourself some grace. I mean, the anti-perfectionist mindset, and I know we could do a whole separate podcast on this because this is something that you and I both dig. Uh, but I think that goes into the overtracking element yeah. uh, or the obsessive track. The obsessive, now, like, the perfect yeah. or bust. Perfect or bust, mentality. yeah. So if you're, if you're tracking, you're walking and you go three days without walking, you have to have some sort of uh, a practice or mindfulness to go. Three days, not my best moment, but you know what? I can, I can get back on the horse today. And yeah. I do think that's important. And I think, I believe that that counteracts the obsessive tracking. And I also think yeah. that uh, it's, <laughs> I think that's a small group. I think if someone has one thing in their tracking sure. to move into the obsessive group, I think that that's a, a niched audience. It I think sure for is. most people, if they just sort of, if they just focus on one thing and start tracking that thing, I think, and then just be gentle with yourself and you miss, uh, I think you're going to be all right. And I think you're going to see some positive changes. Yeah. It's so great. I love that you brought that up because I wasn't even thinking that, but I'm like, yeah, that's it. To me, again, tenacity coach, resiliency coach, you know, like to mm-hmm. me, those are some of the most important in these things. Uh, certainly transfer into business when I'm working with entrepreneurs, new entrepreneurs, man, like we were just talking about this earlier today, just 
sometimes when something goes wrong, even a small thing, it's so easy to blow it out of proportion and be like, and make it mean 10 things that it doesn't mean. So if, if a launch didn't go well, we can easily make it mean, I suck at this. I shouldn't be doing this. I'm never going to make money at this. I'm going to be homeless out on the street, disrespected. Like we can go 10 steps down the road when in actuality, it's just like one launch, one time. Cool. What can you do better? Let's debrief. Let's talk about like, let's get clinical and figure out like where exactly, you know, we can go better next time. And to me, it's my clients who have what I call a pivot mindset where they're like, cool, this over here is blocked for whatever reason. It's just not going to work. So where else can I go? Cause to me, there's always somewhere to go, right? There's always some workaround. There's always something you can do. And when you have that mentality, it doesn't need to be highly emotional. It can literally just be like clinical. And I think when you are more clinical with some of your quote mess ups or missteps or struggles or frustrations or obstacles, you're much more likely to keep going. Yeah. And, and that the thing is important to know too, like that stuff is, it's so important, but it's also not a light switch. Like it's not something you can just switch on. That's a practice. That's, yeah. so I think a lot of people that may be listening to you could you could just go easy for you to say, Jill, but they don't see behind the scenes how, yeah. I mean, you've been practicing this stuff for yeah. a decade plus now. And I'll never forget, shout out to J. Cole, still here, living room now. I was 22. Um, I was living with you and I was learning all these things and having all these insights, all these quote unquote mindset shifts, right? And I had these shifts. And when I had these shifts, I looked at my own behavior and was, and all, and all of a sudden I started feeling really like embarrassed and ashamed and just like, just the not good enough stuff. I'm just like, God, I got to get better. I'll never forget. I was sitting at the bar with dad as Shout one out. does. Yeah. As one does. So sitting at the bar and I'm telling us all that I'm learning all this stuff. I know I should be doing this because I, I learned it from you. Right. And however, I'm not, this is what I'm doing. And he just looks at me and he goes, you know, Dan, you've been a certain way for 22 years and now you want to be different in six weeks. Cause you learned something new. Mm. And that's just not how anything works, but definitely like it makes sense if you put it in, in a physical format, or if you say, all right, you've been overweight for 40 years. I don't think anybody expects you to be in shape in six weeks. That makes no sense. However, with, with the psychological stuff, I think we forget that it's the same thing. Totally. If you're in certain patterns and these are ingrained patterns for, for decades, you're not going to change. So it is. And sometimes I, I call it just sitting with the shit, man. Just like sometimes when I have a bad spree of spending or I have a bad, a couple of weeks with my health, I, I skip workouts or I just, it feels bad and just sit with the shit. Like it's, it, that's what it is. And you go to bed and you wake up and you blow it out and you just try again today. And that's life. That's the game of life. You try again. And that that's, I guess that would be the message. I would love to lead the best life fam with is because I do think this is a, this is a super growth audience, super yeah. ambitious audience. Yep. And I think the downfall of being ambitious is that you don't give yourself any breathing room to fuck up. It's so good. And it's so true. It's one of those things. And I love that you brought that story up because it's so true. I think sometimes we just, once we know better, we're like, there's no excuse not to do better. It's right. Not, yeah. Oh, I learned this thing. I need to be implementing it. Why am I not? And we beat ourselves up. It's funny. I read an article years ago, um, by Heidi Grant Halverson, who's like a psychology researcher. And she said in the article, she's talking all about self-compassion. So there's the idea that self-compassion is like, I think you and I would be like, ah, oh, if I show myself any kindness, it means I'm, I'm condoning the behavior. You know, if I l- allow myself to, you know, it's put, it's, uh, letting myself off the hook. I eat a, you know, a, a, bag of popcorn last night. If I'm, if I show myself grace, like you said, if I, if I'm gentle with myself, that means I'll do it again. And she actually had research to show that when people are able to move on faster, 
as a result of those missteps and blunders, they actually do better overall. So self-compassion kind of is a compliance tool. If you think about it, you know, and that flips the script. Cause I think you and I would say, well, you know, it makes sense. I have to feel guilty. If I don't feel guilty, that I'm condoning the behavior. If I don't feel ashamed or remorseful, then that means I'm going to do it again and more. What they show was people who can move on faster after these sort of like blips and, and learn from them, they actually do better on the whole than someone who continues to beat themselves up. And that's counterintuitive. It, it feels good in a way to beat yourself up, doesn't it? Yeah, it almost feels deserving. Right? And, <laughs> but, and I also think self-compassion, if you would hear that, they're like, oh, so now when I fuck up, I go, you're amazing, keep going, you're great. It's like, no, not that, but how will you just start by not kicking your own ass anymore, right? Yeah. Like just to stop with, let's just start with point A and say, you don't have to go to that, but how about you just stop yelling at yourself, stop the guilt and just play with that and be patient. It's also a that. huge distraction, right? When you're going- oh my God, I feel so bad. I can't believe I did that again. I'm so bad. Like all of that, that mental aerobics just literally takes mental energy and space up from doing the thing you actually want to do. It's mental aerobics. It's like, let me stay mired. It's really a victim mindset. You ever think about it? Like, yeah. you know, oftentimes we, we say that like blaming other people or complaining is kind of like a victim mindset, but you can, you know, blame yourself. That shit is the same thing, right? It's the exact same thing, different outfit. Like you blaming yourself is victimizing yourself. Yeah. And when has that worked? Like Never. If you slipped up, I was like, you got to do fucking better. Right. You suck. Like, would you, would that inspire you? No, no. of course not. No, we I'd get that. Yeah. yeah. We get that in an no. interpersonal sense. We don't get that in an individual sense, Yeah, but it's the same thing. I mean, when you beat yourself up, we think it's going to increase motivation and guess what? Shame is a great motivator short term. So shame, like a couple of days. Yeah. A couple of days. It'll right. get you. Yeah. It'll get you out of bed the next morning. Like it, it's a great I'm motivator. getting my workout today. I mean, chicken broccoli out of the Tupperware yep. by Thursday it's off. Yep. And, and it backfires. Yep. It backfires. It does. Slow moving coup. Interesting. Shame is. Love yeah. it. It's so good. And I think this can be applied to, I mean, I think we talk, like just in this conversation, talked about like four or five different areas of your life that this can apply to. And these things kind of apply across the board. So end of the day, you guys, one habit track and show yourself compassion. And honestly, I know that shit is not sexy. It's not. But at the end of the day, like, what's the alternative? I, I know for me, like, I'm gonna be 40 this year. Like, I'm done with the fast fix. I'm done with the shame. I'm done with like trying to like do everything at once and like do the most. Fuck that. Like, I'm not, I'm more like, all right, like, what's like one thing that I wanna change this year? Like, seriously, like, that's like my one focus this year and being willing to take the whole year to do it. You know, and I'm going 10 years from now, it's 10 fucking things. That's 10 big things that I've overcome in my life. But that's huge. And so, yeah, I mean, I imagine, I mean, pick them, right? Like imagine you started a workout routine that lasted and then you started a savings routine and then you started a interpersonal practice with whatever your relationships and all these are like big things that huge. that they leak into other areas of your life. Totally. Right. You work out habit that that's actually going to lead you to a better nutrition have it just the leak effect so yeah man it's not sexy i wish we could make it sexier uh that's a marketing problem that's always my big issue. yeah i know and basically we're just like we're also coaching ourselves here we're just like, <laughs> we're just like stop being yourself uh like, i'm there let's let's finish off with a dad story too so this, yep. this is good this is on the compassion train so played played basketball my whole life right dad come to the games and uh he sit like up top by himself arms folded i don't know why you do that man arms folded always so upset <laughs> Anyway, right. And free throws in basketball, they're supposed to be free points, right? Like there's no one guarding you. It's not a difficult shot. It's straight on. You've been practicing since you were four years old. It's not a hard shot. It's pretty psychological. So you go up, get to the free throw line, shoot, miss it, put your head down. All of a sudden you just hear in the background, blow it out. And 
know, you're like, it kind of scares the audience, but he, what he's saying is he says, take a deep breath and let it go and focus on the next one. And I think that relates into any time we're slipping up with the change we're trying to make, blow it out, take a deep breath, let it go and focus on the next one. And I just think, I, like, I do think it applies to life in, in, in a lot of ways, but it is a little funny story that I do <laughs> that rings in my mind today when so I mess up in man. any, any area of my life, I blow it out. So many, so many issues. I mean, just so many, it's so applicable to so many different areas. I, know. I love that. Jay Cole, he's got, he's got some wisdom. We'll have to get him on at some point. Yep. We'll get him a couple of drinks. We'll yep. see. Maybe it'll happen later today. <laughs> you never know. Anyway, you are the best. Where can people connect with you? Where can they find you? All the things. Yep. Um, at it's Danny Coleman on IG, uh, where I spend my time. And then the website, dannycoleman.net where I get my writing game up in 2020. That's my one thing, is actually. Yeah, awesome. my, my writing. So And shout out to uh, your fiance. You guys are getting married in October, which is very exciting. Yes. Miss Kelsey Walsh out there. Shout out. Love you. Shout out. Love very, you. Very excited for October. Very excited for we're going we're going to snowboard this year. Yeah. We're, that'll be a first for us both. So it'll be good. We got a lot of professional stuff, a lot of personal stuff. It's going to be be a good year. I can feel it. All right, you guys. Well, you are the best. Appreciate you. Any feedback you have for us, obviously you can always find us at the best life podcast on Instagram, follow us the best life podcast.com, which is our closed Facebook group. And if you really want to be amazing, we would appreciate so much a subscribe. We know that we have been a little bit inconsistent with our publishing over the last couple of months, just kind of like personal stuff and life stuff getting in the way. But if you subscribe, you never miss an episode. So to us, that means the most out of all the things you could possibly do for us, subscribing is really the biggest dial over because we do not want you guys to miss these episodes. When you subscribe, they automatically download to wherever you listen to podcasts. So that would be the biggest favor you could do for us. And also let's be honest for yourself. All right, you guys, well, it's just us and uh, we miss Danny, but we'll get her back on the next episode. Love you guys. Have a good day. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.